0: Hello and welcome to an episode of the BIM Voice podcast. Today we have with us an entrepreneur who started up more innovative companies within AEC with the goal to make better buildings. Welcome, Håkon Reiswang. Hi Petru. Hello, uh, please introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit uh, more about uh, all these startups you are involved with.
1: Yeah, I have a couple of startups. <laughs> so great to be on the podcast Petru. Yeah. Thank you. Likewise. So uh, maybe a little bit about myself. Um, like three years ago, I was just a normal project manager in construction. But uh, I think it was in 2017, I, I, um, I had an interest in artificial intelligence. So I Googled uh, AI plus construction and, uh, and that never ended. <laughs> so uh, now, now I have uh, this, um, a couple of companies. Um, I have this company called I4 Technology uh, that focuses uh, on basically the betterment of the AAC industry by creating better solutions to digital innovations. Uh, and um, in this digital age, I, I have two main focuses. Uh, one is automation and uh, the other one is communication. So uh, that's what I center my um, companies around so i four technology is mainly focused on uh on spreading knowledge uh to the industry. I do a lot of uh, presentations on conferences and for for companies about uh, how all of these different technologies and terminologies fits together in sort of like a simplified model and uh, yeah so um Um, So that's uh, the communication part. I can get a little bit back to that, but my sort of main focus is in artificial intelligence. Um, I have this daughter company called 10x Construction uh, that is partner with an American company that's called the Graph Matrix um, that develops an AI called Trinity. And um, this is all about uh, the, new, uh, the new infrastructure for our internet, because there is a shift happening right now, where we're moving from uh, storing our data in table databases uh, towards graph databases. Uh, so we're innovating in that field. Uh, I can probably get back to that. Uh, we have this, uh, this AI called Trinity. It's, it's very, very exciting. Um, uh, but just to cover the whole uh, whole thing, uh, back to um, to I four technology, um, the communication part I do with the with the conferences and presentations, and I also have this podcast that you will be joining shortly. I hope. Oh. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm also part of these two very interesting startups, uh, one in VR and one in uh, AR. Um, The VR company is all about um, virtual design and construction and big room, uh, you know, basically using these uh, new tools to to plan better buildings. So uh, we're trying to build this uh, very cool uh, VDC, virtual design and construction room in uh, big room uh, down at startup campus uh, here in central Oslo. Uh, where we're um we're we're not just trying to make a standard VDC room we're trying to optimize everything. We uh we will be building this great BIM cave and we will have these working stations and and we will have like seamless data flow between the stations and uh, maybe some special tools to design better and which we're going to try to optimize the room in every possible way we can. Uh, also, uh, interior, of course. So it's a very nice room to come and visit and, and plan our buildings. This is, this is very much in relation to ISO 19650 that I uh, talk a lot about, uh, which is like the new framework for, for BIM models, for delivering BIM models.
0: What would be the purpose of this room? Uh, how uh, and how are you going to monetize this?
1: The purpose of the room will be to basically um, make sure that uh, the people planning the, pro- the project has all the tools possible to make uh, the building look as good as possible. For for example, it will be be very good for user involvement. One one really cool project uh, this um, this company Color Prime that de- uh, delivers BIM caves. They had their BIM cave um, in this project in Finland. I think it was Ulu University Hospital where they, I think they saved like um, they they involved 750 doctors and nurses, um, and uh, and and they stipulated that they saved like 150 million euros in the construction phase. But that's nothing. They uh, they th- they think that they have saved maybe two. Billion uh, euros uh, in the operational phase, because you know doctors and nurses they know a lot more about where they want to have their things and and then they can plan way better and save a lot of money. But uh, because like the operation cost of a hospital is huge, so it's um, it's very good for that. For example,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Uh, uh, if I uh, can make a point to to this now. Now I understand. So the point of this is to uh, to to have these uh, beam cages, uh, caves uh, um, like uh, modules and build them on the building site for everybody involved to be easier to interact or you will have yourself in a place where you are going to rent out.
1: Yeah, that is the main business model. So um, to have it as a service, you know.
0: Okay, I understand. But but I, it would be possible for someone, for a big customer like, like here, uh, in Finland, did they use this cave on site where the hospital was being built, or they did that uh, from uh, from a specific uh, location?
1: I think in that project they actually had the BIM cave on the project, uh, but uh, our solution is much more like people can come and rent rent the room. I understand that would be the idea, and we will have this great big cloud system so people can have sort of their account with their data in it so it's very data focused of course some clients will just opt to use like bim sync or something like that but for for some projects that really are data sensitive they want to have like the data secured in a on a server and we'll be able to offer them that as well I understand and of course we're we're in collaboration with dimension 10 that will also deliver vr glasses and we're speaking to philips hue for lighting system we have uh, disruptive technology sensors we have thing sensors um, so it will be we will sort of have like a smart home solution on top of it so it's it sort of helps the communication because because that is sort of the center of the problem because we're humans we're actually dog shit at communicating with each other we, we, we really could use this, uh, these tools to sort of... It's, it's all about communicating ideas, because like when we just sit in a room with no screens or maybe just a BIM model on the computer, there is a lot of communication being lost, and um, VR and AR is all about uh, helping us communicate better.
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you talked a little bit. You gave us some details about VR. Yeah. What about AR?
1: Yeah, that is uh, that's a really cool. We're starting up the project uh, these days. Um, so uh, the idea there is to uh, render better buildings before they're built uh, because of these new technologies being available with five um, G and edge computing. You know, uh, we're we're coming from a phase with four G and cloud computing, cloud computing in these terms basically means that we have unlimited storage uh, in the cloud or basically in the data center. It's, it's called a, a, a cloud, not because we store it in the heavens, but <laughs> it goes like uh, in the same way, multiple raindrops makes a cloud, multiple computers makes a computer cloud. But So with uh, cloud computing, you have unlimited storage basically, um, but with these uh, edge computers that are part of the 5G system, uh, you will have the ability to um to access computing power that are not on your device um so um so you can render these buildings way more actually um uh, way better so so this is all about these new nvidia cards rtx ray trace you make it much more or you make it photorealistic so um one example i uh, <laughs> i love to to do is this munk museum we have here in norway that um that looked way different on the presentation than what it actually uh, ended up being it um i don't think it's a very pretty building so um so that's the that's the example i used to use um but uh but with this um this product you can actually render the 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 building exactly the way it is supposed to look on the on the construction site uh and this opens up a lot of possibilities architects can come and present their um their suggestions uh way better uh, and you can have sort of a response by the public like we like this building we don't like this building so um so yeah it's uh, it's called uh, the startup it's called superverse and um, the product it's called the on-site viewer and the main technology here is this AR cloud uh, technology that uh, you use uh, photogrammetry and 3d laser scanners uh, to sort of make um, make a digital twin of a, of a city and um, and it's, uh, it's a way better p- positioning system than uh, GPS or maybe QR codes that are used uh, today. So um, our main uh, partner, the main driving force is uh, someone called uh, Jan-Erik Vinje. He is the founder of uh, OpenAR Cloud, which is an initiative to, uh, for, for the spatial web, where um, all of this is part of like putting a digital layer on top of the real world. Um, and they have three main focus areas. Uh, one is uh, Geopose, which is like in the future, when, when you go around with your AR glasses, or maybe if you still have a smartphone, uh, the direction of the smartphone matters. so you need these 60 de- degrees of freedom. So they are working with the uh, OGC, Open Geospatial Consortium to sort of standardize this. And they also, um, that is one of their focus areas. Of course, you have to have the rotation of your device to have it work accurately. And uh, the other thing is uh, special discovery services. Uh, So uh, when you uh, walk down the street with your AR glasses in the future, uh, maybe you have like a personal agent that knows what you're interested in and you're in a foreign city. So maybe I'm interested in fly fishing. So maybe if I walk down uh, the street in... Some other country i get a notification that you can go buy some flags for example <laughs> and uh, and the the, th- the the third one and the most ambitious one is this reality modeling language uh, that uh, it's um it's, it will work sort of like self-driving dust today when you go down with your ar glasses you can sort of identify things in the in your field of uh, view so uh, with um, but but one of the things i should mention there is is of course with edge computing when you have this access to this this extra processing power you might not need your smartphones anymore because uh, when you uh, these ar glasses you can sort of take this big processing computer out of the ar glass and get more like sunglasses ar glasses so, um I think that uh, when uh, 5g is, uh, is, uh, is is done being built out uh, I think um, I think we will go around with AR glasses instead of smartphones
0: interesting very interesting uh, but about the the AR product how did you say it was called
1: on-site viewer
0: on site viewer what is this uh, like what is this exactly what kind of app it is where you use it and uh, how it uh, is playing the role in the entire design process concept phase or and how it integrates with other softwares like with existing softwares do you do you need to use revit to that do you need to bring the Re, the, the model built it in revit or other software in it and after that you can start from there trying to do what you want to achieve with it or you start right in there. You don't need need Revit.
1: Yeah, of course, it's not a design product at all. Uh, You upload your BIM model, uh, maybe you've sort of baked it so it gets the right textures and-
0: Like IFC? Would IFC work?
1: Yeah, of course it would work, but you would want to make like a, a sort of better, models so a, a lot of these architecture companies have these baking things that they bake the model to make them way more accurate you know IFC is uh, of course we talk a lot about IFC today but it's a really old technology and uh, it is a technology I'm disrupting with my my other company so IFC is great for visualizing a solution but for you know systems um, systems knowledge it's not very good at all. Uh, but um, yeah, but uh, the, the main focus is like uh, getting the the society's perspective is really important in this. So the main focus is to make the buildings we want to have. That is the idea. Of course, you can use it for like architects that want to present their suggestions for their clients. Uh-huh. But the, makers, the main focus area of this is like make better societies and a part of that is make better buildings and a part of that is make the buildings the people want so that's what we're trying to offer
0: okay uh, regarding what you said about disrupting the ifc what exactly do you mean by that
1: that's going to require a, a long answer but uh, basically with it's all connected to this new infrastructure with the graph databases First, you have to know what a graph database is. Um, It's a a way of structuring data that makes it possible for algorithms or agents to conceptually understand the data objects. So um, a graph database consists of triples, subject, predicate, object. So an example of that would be door is part of wall. An example of a graph would be door is part of wall, is part of room, is part of story, is part of building, is part of site, for example. And, uh, and you will have like maybe a thousand of these graph intersectioning into this web, this network uh, that explains how all of the different objects in the models are connected. So it's a way more intelligent way of structuring data so there are two parts of um, of how this uh, becomes very valuable for for uh, for algorithms uh, the first one is being this data model for uh, for graph databases called the resource description framework which is the data model and then you have owl which is web ontology language which is a knowledge representative language and uh, you use that to describe ontologies for different disciplinaries, ontologies in this, in this sense is sort of like a, it's, a, it's just a, a computer way to describe a disciplinary. Or you can have like an ontology for sensors, you can have a core ontology for buildings, you can have an ontology for plants doesn't matter. These ontologies are just different disciplinaries that that makes it possible for algorithms. Uh, or agents that it's called in the web 3.0 language to you know conceptually understand the different concepts uh in these ontologies so like in a um in a building you have like a door is a concept a wall is a concept a building is a concept so it's all about this new this new paradigm of conceptual computing so you have all of these um so this is really great for making the algorithms conceptually understand the objects. But you also have to have the product data. And this um this moves us over to linked data. Um because you call graph databases linked data if you if you structure it according to these four principles of Tim Berners-Lee. This is, you know, Tim Berners-Lee is the the inventor behind the internet, the person that didn't patent the internet, a really, really good person <laughs> uh, that sort of... Uh, um, yeah, uh, and he's, uh, he's uh, been uh, working on this since uh, like the, the start of the 90s because he's not really satisfied because uh, you may or may not know this, but 70% of data online today is unstructured. And that's not very good for uh, for AI. Uh, you know, most of our information in the construction industry are structured uh, in in documents, and we sort of need to to use that that knowledge for algorithms. And um, and it's uh, that's not very good the way it is now. Um, and uh, the rest of the table, um, the 30, 30% is structured in table databases. I was talking a little bit, bit about this. But Tim Berners-Lee, he's, he's not very satisfied with 70% being unstructured and you know, Google and Facebook hoarding our, all our data. So, so he's like the mastermind behind this new uh, technology. And he sort of runs this um, regulation organ for the internet called the Web 3.0 Consortium. And he also has this startup called Inrupt, And this is really, really important because we talk a lot about open data and open BIM and all of these conferences we have. And no one, uh, or we are in the beginning of discussing it, but um, Inrupt, they are all about creating the infrastructure for Web 3.0. And that's called SOLID. Solid is the proof of concept for Web 3.0. Solid is the stands for social linked data, and it's sort of an ecosystem, uh, an infrastructure of pods. Pod stands for personal, um, personal online data storage. So um, there are some aspects of this that are really important. One is, or the most important one, is that you uh, you get. Full control over your data. Solid comes with this interface that lets you very easily uh, control which data has um, access, no, which applications has access to your data or which organizations or which persons. So it's, you can sort of view it as your, uh, as your virtual uh, USB stick on the internet that, um, that gives you total control over your data. So, this is, um, this is like a really important of it. And this is part of our technology stack in uh, GraphMatrix and Trinity. And it sort of it offers um, state of the art uh, cybersecurity. You have this very good uh, access uh, control. And um, so, then you have this pod with all of your data structured as linked data, which makes it so solid, has a universal API so we talk a lot about apis we're trying to sort of make different table databases and programs work together by um making them talk to each other through apis uh, but in this uh, new paradigm with web 3.0 you will have a universal api and that will that will solve a lot so um so we're building this um this technology on top of solid uh so of course personal online data storage and social linked data you think that this is for people but this is this will work great for companies for like a, a solid pod it can be a company it could be a construction project for example so uh, when you talk about iso 19650 you talk about this common data environment where you have uh, um, where you have your data uh, but uh, iso 19650 Uh, It regulates uh, step two of that, which is like you have files and you have table databases. But in level three, you have this graph, semantic graph database. So my idea is that solid would be like the perfect common data environment for BIM level three. And we're basically making a BIM level three based AI. So that's what we're doing. Uh, I can
0: go on or... This This is very complex yeah it's very complex so this is going to replace not only ifc is going to replace much more than only ifc because this this was the start of the conversation right right how will you replace ifc well we won't
1: replace ifc right away um I, i think i have to explain a little bit more about what the what, what the technology is, because now I've sort of talked about the, the cyber security, the access control, the universal API that comes with this solid pod that is the BIM Level 3. Mm-hmm. But inside of this solid pod is our real product. We call it a one-world model. And a one-world model consists of all of these different ontologies. In our one-world model today, we have like, I think it's about 80 ontologies that are basically knowledge from 80 different disciplinaries sewn together in one model, which uh, makes the AI understand the concepts in all of these disciplinaries. And that is like, how do you structure data optimally for AI? Like this. So we we have this one world model, and we also have... um, um, have built into this uh, system a way to track all entities through space and time, physical, uh, through IoT and digital. Um, so you, you have this, this log, this uh, you traceability of everything that's happened. So when, a, uh, when an AI is, uh, works with, a, with an object in a model, it knows all the history it knows uh, all the steps that's uh, taken through the development process all the people that's being involved so it 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 can infer a lot of lo- a lot of knowledge through this uh, system so um and we've actually built in this uh, <laughs> i say that it can track entities through time and space and we've also built in special and general relativity uh, just in case um elon musk will uh, Will require a digital twin for their rockets, so we're sort of building it as advanced as we we possibly could. But but this is um, yeah I don't know how uh, how complex I can get. But it's uh, it's uh, a lot of it is based on Stephen Wolfram's hypergraph theory. He has like this the- theory of everything. Um, so uh, if you want to. Uh, to go down the rabbit hole, uh, go and read a little bit about uh, Stephen Wolfram's uh, hypergraph that is some really interesting stuff. And, uh, but on top of this, um, this uh, one world model with the ability to track all entities, we have this new innovation that we've called conceptual computing. We have a patent pending on on that. And um, that's where, uh, um, my knowledge about this starts breaking down. That is like my, uh, uh, he's called Frederick Gibson, the person that is developing this for Graph Matrix. He has this uh, conceptual computing agent uh, and he explains it to me by he has figured out a way to make Trinity think in these triples. So, uh, 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 imitating how humans think. So, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing a demo of that. So, um, so that will be really good. Just to clarify, the product isn't 100% ready yet. So, um, so you can say like, Hawkon, great, you have this solid pod and you have this one world model and you have conceptual computing and the tracking. And, but what about the problem that there isn't so much linked data today? Most data is in table databases and it is unstructured. So how do you solve that? And my answer is graph generators. That's the term I like to use. So you have these graph generators that could uh, take both unstructured data and table structured data and make it into linked data according to that one world model. So for example, we have this product called Trinity Crosslink that, you, that can scan through like uh, thousands of documents and um, and structured information in those documents as linked data in our one world model. And whoops this uh, uh, this unstructured terrible data suddenly becomes accessible for AI and uh, and that will be really, really valuable. and that is a is a product we will sell to the industry uh, within two months. So oh. we're working with, with some pilots for that. And that is like a really valuable, forget about all the one world model and the conceptual AI. When you've when you've read through all of, when uh, Trinity has read through all of these documents, you can do this semantic search. Maybe when you go to Google uh, lately, you've seen that when you ask for something, you get this, did you mean this? Or did you mean this? And you have this sort of, uh, yeah, you can get answers to questions and, and, and that is linked data. That is uh, a version of linked data. So let's say you have like a thousand documents that you, you know you have some knowledge in them, but you know, don't know where it is. So you have to search through all of these documents. Forget about that. Now you can just uh, regenerate this uh, semantically searchable database and you can find your information like, like that.
0: That sounds very interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. And uh, and it's not so long until the launch. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Don't yeah. uh, don't forget to share with me.
1: Yeah, I definitely will.
0: I cannot stop thinking about there. Are, there is so much uh, old information unused, completely unused, right? Uh, exactly. That is almost useless because it's so difficult to dig it up and find it. And yeah, uh, so yep. it's going to be interesting. So basically yep. you are going like, for example, is going to be something like you scan all the documentation and get it yep. in a digital format. And after that, the pro- this product is going to uh, fi- be like a Google for all this documentation, a smart searching form to find anything you need.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that is like the one of the things we're actually working on in 10 X construction, because like text, that is an example of unstructured data. And uh, in the beginning of the po- podcast, I said that unstructured data is not good for AI and then the neural network people will go like, no, <laughs> because unstructured data is like the food for, uh, for some of these, uh, neural networks. Uh, uh, so what we have built is like, uh, a Norwegian natural language processing agent uh, that uh, sort of um, classifies all the grammar and the Norwegian um, translation of the words. And uh, we use that to sort of map it into the one world model. So we use uh, deep learning to sort of classify the. The information stored in the documents according to the one world model. So that's one of our responsibilities in 10x construction is to, uh, is to integrate this um, or our uh, natural language processing engine into Trinity's one world model or into Trinity Crosslink, that is the product that makes it into the one world uh, model. So, in, and in the future, we can also uh, do that for. Um, I was talking about this reality modeling language when I was talking about Open AR cloud. So you can sort of use the same technology they use for self-driving to sort of classify the objects you see, and you can map those into the one world model as well. That's not our main focus now, but we will definitely make that in the future. So now you have the unstructured data types, interlinked data. But of course, most of the data or uh, some of the data we use are stored in table databases. So what we do there is uh, make an agent that uh, maps from the table database into this linked data. And of course, all of the table databases are sort of structured uh, according to some kind of classification system. And that classification system is consists of different concepts and we have this uh, uh, a little bit of engineering work to figure out, uh, or we we make an ontology of, uh, of uh, that classification system uh, for that uh, database. So we have this, for example, we have uh, like this pilot customer now that has uh, control over all of their resources through their classification system. And we're uh, building an ontology out of their classification system and by doing that, we create an agent that can just map directly from their database into our one-world model. And, and then they can sort of uh, um, connect that into sensors for different rooms, for example, and figure out if the rooms are being used optimally or if they could be used in a different way or uh, stuff like that. But uh, but that is uh, one of the, the main things for like pilot customers is to develop their core ontology and implement that into our one world model so they can sort of uh, have use of all of our different all of our great technology so uh, so that is for table databases but the beauty the real beauty comes uh, when it comes to BIM back to the IFC because like in the beginning, of course, this technology will be great for uh, new ways of doing BIM or, or designing BIM, but uh, that's not our main focus now because most of our buildings are already built. And of course, not all buildings, but some buildings has these models today, but an IFC model is not great for operating, uh, you know, in, a, in like a BIM model. It's, it consists of all of these different systems that sort of have different, uh, that interact with each other and has, has different uh, dependencies and requirements. And BIM is not great for that these days. So what we've done is we've developed an agent that could look through the BIM model and make a systems digital twin of all of the different systems the building consists of and sort of make a digital twin of the system and then back to the triple, because this system consists of a graph database, and the triple, subject, predicate, object. In this case, we have made a mathematical function out of the predicate. So you can use this system to sort of generate the BIM in front of you. And of course, this solves a lot of like, systems uh, interdependencies, and you get a lot more understanding from, the, uh, from how the building fits together. It becomes intelligent but it also becomes uh, way more lightweight. You don't need these big, big models anymore because you're, we've sort of made it into this format that just rendered the part of the building you are looking at. You don't just have a big building that you go into, you render it in front of you from this system. So that is a product I'm really excited about, and I think that will come out within um, maybe six months.
0: Are you kidding me? So, this product <laughs> is going to be something like, like the most missing thing. Uh, like, uh, like yeah. It's going to be like holy grail for facility managers or asset managers. Exactly. But uh, is there a way uh, to integrate this with, uh, with the designers, uh, with the other parts involved in the process?
1: Uh, in the future, of course, the technology, we will t- just continue to build applications. Of course, when you have all of these, let's say all of our Jeff generators are done, so you have all of your information from your documents, you have all of your uh, information from, let's say, cameras, sensors. Um, of course, yeah, I, I forgot about one. One of the Jeff graph generators is, of course, the IoT one because of <laughs> we're sort of building this digital uh, infrastructure, this spatial web on top of everything, and, all of, and that is all about connecting to these sensors, because the thing is now, sensors has become so cheap that we can integrate our physical world into computing systems and get insights we could only dream of before. And for the AAC exactly. for the, for the industry, this is buildings, of course. So when you have all of these uh, sensors in the buildings, we build graph generators from those systems into our one world model. And then you have the BIM, you have the sensors, you have the documentation in an intelligent uh, database, an optimally structured database. And then you can build these agents on top of that. On Solid's homepage, they write, Solid will foster a new breed of applications with capabilities above and beyond anything that exists today. And that is because these algorithms finally can understand the computing objects they are working with, not just columns in a table database that are, like my uh, Fred also usually says, that table databases, that is stupid data, and, or dumb data, and this is like intelligent data we're creating.
0: Yeah, very exciting, very, very exciting. Looking forward yeah. to, see, to see in action.
1: Yeah, it's very these
0: products. I'm very, I'm very uh, eager to see, to see these ones.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm really excited these days. I've been having weekly meetings for with them for like two and a half years now, and uh, uh, our first product will uh, be ready um, by the first of uh, November, and we're testing it out on. Uh, uh, a few different pilots. Uh, I can't reveal who those clients are now, but uh, it's going to be really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a really nice to 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 feature in in the podcast as well. After you test yeah. it, after it's launched, this is going to yeah. be interesting. If we go, if we come back a little bit to the reality, because now yeah, we are to in the reality. Elon Elon Musk's reality or parallel universe. Let's get a little bit back to the DNA of this podcast. Uh, what is building information modeling for you?
1: It's a way of uh, communicating ideas, basically, or uh, having control over, uh, like, it's, it's a way of structuring knowledge so you can get the information you want whenever you want it. You, you don't have to spend a lot of time getting information. That's what it's all about for
0: me. What kind of information are we talking about here? Is there any special kind of information or just any kind of information from the concept of a building until the 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 end of it?
1: There's no limits. And of course this system we're building, it's like um, me, I'm, co- I'm a civil engineer. Fred is an architect. So natural uh, like of course we're doing the construction industry but this will be this technology will of course be applicable for for all all of the other industries as well so we're only starting with the, the construction and real estate industry so we're, we're really thinking about going into healthcare after this actually
0: okay you you want to colonize jupiter you want to to uh, to be to become bigger than elon musk this is your goal now
1: no, there's no one bigger than Elon Musk. He's like the ideal man.
0: <laughs> but you are working towards it.
1: But, but think about what that man has built. Like, yeah, we're doing way too much cash transactions. So we're just, uh, we have to like have a digital system for that. So whoops, PayPal, That's that's done and also this global warming challenge we have all of these cars they are running on this old fossil fuel so maybe just electrify all of these cars and everyone laughs at him and now no one laughs at him and then maybe and then maybe maybe i can just uh, make rockets reusable because like uh, uh, like uh, space travel isn't economically feasible now so maybe i can just have them land so yeah let's fix that and now we can go to mars and and maybe also we can sort of install this chip in, in in brains because our thumbs are way too bad to communicating information. So maybe we can just install all of the internet into people's heads with this neural link.
0: Solar city. I, if you go I will.
1: To... I will never reach Elon Musk's level. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh come that on! That is impossible. <laughs> the the technology advances at such a rate uh, that you if you have a really good idea and if you are really, really driven, you never know. But yeah, he's. He's amazing. He's uh, he's my hero as well. I have his uh, him as a model, I like to never give up when I try to do something. Uh, and of course, doesn't matter if you get to his level, of course. But if you if you strive for the best and if you make an impact in any way you can, then it's very important. But yeah, yeah he, he's a very uh, uh, admirable person. Uh, it's it's really nice, actually. I, I think we are lucky to to live, to be alive in the same time he's living.
1: Yeah, we really are. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great time to be alive. And uh, it's it's really exciting as well, because you have this, uh, this guy Ray Kurzweil with his law of accelerating returns that sort of describes this exponential uh, development of technology. And he has like this singularity event happening in like uh, around 2045 that, uh, that he explained like technology will advance so fast we will have no way of uh, of understanding it and and that is of course it's really really scary too it's very exciting but it's really scary so exactly it's like, this technology it can make our lives so much better maybe we can like automate everything and uh, experience everything and uh, maybe cure aging and live as long as we want but it could also go in the other direction with yeah, like uh, r- technological also, yeah. dystopia. Yeah, because like you have like all of these dangerous technologies, and and like uh, in my head, I have like Elon Musk here, and I have uh, Jordan Peterson here that says like uh, we're getting way too technology uh, technological advanced to have this much conflict in the world, and we can't solve it by ideology. We have to solve it by making better people and you do that by taking responsibilities. So one in one era, I have like Jordan Peterson, like take responsibility and do what you're supposed to do. And then the other one is like, try to e- uh, reach what Elon Musk is
0: doing. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, well, technology A little can- A bit
1: about my psyche.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The technology can just render ourselves like uh, unusable or uh, unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... it will. <laughs> It, it,
1: it absolutely will so we have to figure out what we want to do and what I think we want to do when no uh, when there are no like traditional jobs is like maximize creative work it's sort of the all this technology will create all of these new different uh, subjects you can go into and like be an expert on and you can make art you can make like science art you can make new discoveries you can like there are these endless no. possibilities of what you can do
0: you did not understand uh, my take here uh, yeah, i okay. uh, i'm thinking like uh, the technology is going to to render us useless to exist in this environment why why should they be our slaves anymore and do all this computing power for our sake like we...
1: yeah why shouldn't uh, they treat us just like we treat ants because exactly. it's super intelligence of course <laughs> And that is a big problem. It's a really big problem. And enter Elon Musk again. That is the strategy of Neuralink, that we should merge with AI instead of the, they taking over. But like, of course, there are some debates about this. Uh, how close will we get to artificial general intelligence? Because we're not really um, figured out what intelligence is, and we have no idea what consciousness is. So
0: yeah, we know so little about the brain. Yes.
1: Yeah. So that is like, um, so that is uh, that is like a great segue because uh, this guy Jeff Hawkins that uh, leads Numenta, that is a company that focuses on neuroscience and artificial intelligence, and what uh, what he says is the right approach to AI is that AI's relationship to big data should be that which of a person relates to the knowledge they have about the world they are in. Uh-huh. And, and that's what we're doing with this one world model. So we're, we're doing it like um, like Numenta says, we're, we should do it. <laughs> so that is like a really interesting company to check out, Numenta and Jeff Hawkins for those who are
0: interested. Sure, sure. You are involved in so many exciting things. Uh, this, is, uh, this is really nice. It's really nice to see you involved in so many things. How, like, if I remember correctly, you, you just worked, you worked as a project manager before, right? Yeah. What happened and when along the way that made you to, to, to just change overnight and start getting yourself involved in everything? And why d- did you do that?
1: Yeah, it start started way earlier. Of course, I'm. I was like when I was 19, I got really interested in psychology, and
0: um, and you became a civil engineer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was already on my way. But of course, like I'm a human. I'm interested in what a human is, so I don't uh, sort of make mistakes about. So there is like. A, an ocean of wisdom online that you can learn about the human mind so uh, um, i've been I've been really interested in psychology for the last thirteen years so so that's a big part of it and I'm very you know what's the word seeking I'm a very seeking person I'm like very high in the personality trait openness so I'm very creative and i'm sort of always on the look for new knowledge and um, and so yeah i was really interested in um, in psychology and um, of course also a lot of interested in politics um been really interested in what's happening in america so i've been following Ameri- american politics for the last 13 years and sort of analyzing that through psychology trying to figure out what what's happening and uh, made some stupid uh, uh, assumptions and uh and uh but lately I went in like I think it was 2015 I found um Jordan Peterson and he's sort of been helping me nuance it a lot of, a lot of it and sort of moving away from you know uh outer or like the left into more like the center because Um, politics, what's really interesting about people is that uh, basically half of us is high in openness and uh, half of us aren't and uh, that creates like conservative people, those who aren't high in openness and liberal people those who are high in openness and that is, and you need both of those you need uh, to conserve the wisdom of the human race and you also need to, to pay it forward as the technology advances so you need both of those so I'm, um, so I'm really interested in, in 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 how we can make better societies, and um, this technology thing I'm doing is just the solution to that.
0: Okay, I I might be have been not specific enough about this, but like uh, you are you are working uh, in already in here, right as a project manager, so. Yeah. I remember when we talked uh, once, you said that um, you did. You was not happy with uh, how inefficient you, you perceived our industry. Like from this po- point of view, I'm thinking like what happened uh, like uh, that made you going from a job because you, you had a job, maybe you had uh, more time for yourself and going to this supernova modus with so many startups that definitely takes lots of your time and energy and yeah
1: yeah so I was working as a project manager and uh on the client side so i was um, most of my time i was uh, handling contractors and clients and sort of uh being the the process in between those to make sure that the project went uh, well and uh of course i'm I'm also very low in the personality trait agreeableness so i'm um, <laughs> uh, so that's very good for discussing things and uh, sorting, sort of, uh, yeah, I like to argue. So I'm a great fit for a project manager. So, um, but what, and, and of course it is a lot of argument in the construction industry because like most of our projects, we have this contract, this total uh, contractor that uh, we call it NS8407, which is like this contract that our not nuanced enough for uh creating value throughout the supply chain and uh, it's it's sort of like when you ha- you have a client and you have subcontractors that that builds the building and you have this main contractor that sort of uh, um, uh, coordinate the subcontractors and then you have the project manager like me that coordinates on the other side and and basically what that is and is because we've planned the projects way too poorly and and the contractors they know that so they and then there is a lot of competition in the contracting world so they a strategy is to sort of like underbid the contract because you know that it hasn't been described fully and then you can earn a lot of money on change orders so there are a lot of discussions about change orders in um, in the construction industry and uh, after a while i realized that of course it's very fun to discuss Uh, to discuss things and sort of going to war and uh, battle and uh, but it doesn't create value so that's what I am I figure on it has to be like a better way of doing this and um, in in this time I am I was also really interested in comedy Uh, I'm uh, yeah so um, I started doing stand-up comedy Uh, that was like I already had an idea that I wanted to sort of start my own company and so like most people um, they aren't um, comfortable by going on stage and talking about ideas and stuff like that so I I was thinking that maybe I love comedy so um, why not just do stand up for a few years and so, uh, so I did that and that was really fun and uh, I constantly uh, criticize myself for not doing that in, anymore but I don't have the time because I'm Working well with all of these companies, but I'm definitely getting back to stand-up comedy in the in 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 the future. But uh, but that will uh, that has helped me a lot with my presentations and uh, stuff like that. So um, so the idea is to sort of um, make the construction industry sort of uh, one of the things we have to figure out is that we have to collaborate in the projects. We have to not sort of battle over the money. We have to sort of uh, get way better incentive models. One of the things that I was that bugged me so much about my job was that it was on an hourly, you sort of uh, uh, build the client by the hour. So if you work slowly, you earn more money. What the fuck is up with that? that is a stupid incentive model that is the stupid 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 incentive model and you see people misuse it all the times in in like the planning of building we have this thing that we call the solibri Solibri, uh, way it's it's not not uh, not to speak bad about solibri but um, but if you don't coordinate uh, before you make the model you can just the models into Solibri and then you maybe get a thousand clashes and then the people planning the buildings has to create now we can work on these thousand issues and write a lot of hours and earn a lot of money so that's what virtual design and construction
0: is all about fixing what do you mean by verifying before you build it uh, did I say verify before I build it no, uh, you said that you check it with Solibri after you, 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 you design no, it. You know,
1: yeah, v- virtual design and construction is all about uh, a rational way of planning. Like you have this area for infrastructure, you have this area for this part. Uh, when you do less of that, you get more clashes. Uh-huh. I understand. And then, and then you can earn money on fixing the clashes. And that is also like this stupid, parasitic um, business model that you shouldn't have.
0: So that's what we're trying to, to solve. I understand. I will not give up on this. So you were at work. Uh, you, was working, you were working as a project manager, yes? What happened in your head? Wh- wh- which, was the d- which was the day when you... Stop. From now on, I need to do this. I want to be involved how did you start your first company how did you get from being a employee to making the jump to become an entrepreneur and a visionary try to to shape your ideas yeah well uh, it is you need vision you need vision you need some craziness to to throw yourself in, into this yeah so
1: yeah so um I was already like researching artificial intelligence and construction working for this um, project management uh, company and all my time there I I had project where I had the I had responsibilities and uh, and I was delivering on those responsibilities but uh, our company went in the wrong direction we were mostly trying to get big projects where you get like many people working on quality assurance and you have like this hierarchy of of, uh, project management managers that works on different things. And um, our company stopped getting these like 50 to $200 million projects where I could just be the top manager. Um, And they wanted me to, this was actually one of the famous hotels down in the city. So they wanted me to do uh, quality assurance there. And they had made a piss-poor job of, uh, of managing the contractors. So the contractor was sort of, if we told them to do something, they could just go over our heads. And, uh, and, uh, and I went there and I told them exactly what I meant. And, uh, and uh, then uh, later today, the, the boss called me and said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and um, I said, um, it's, I'm right here. They're doing a bad job. And uh, I cannot be on this project anymore. So, um that de-escalated and a couple of days later they wanted me to still be on the project uh, uh, but I said no I cannot uh, have responsibility on this project because it it um, it hasn't been like I had like this uh, security like uh, what we call uh, HMS uh, in Norway what's the English term for that safety and security yeah and it 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 wasn't really uh, you know this you have like um uh, um on the different stories when you have like the raw building, you have these um uh, things that make sure that you can't kick something over the line that it lands in the head of the other person down, yeah, those were all standing like this oh <laughs> things could fall down on the the it was a lot of uh like water leakages and stuff like that, so i'm I wasn't willing to put my name on that uh, or risk risk it. So, um, I said that you have to find another project for me um, and uh, and um, then they couldn't do that, uh, so I quit, and uh, I refinanced my apartment, uh, and I uh, worked for a year just doing research with no pay, basically, just on my own accord, and um, just try to learn new things for eight hours a day for yeah, I've been doing it ever since. So it's a little bit less now because I have to focus on solutions. But, but yeah, like what's uh, the old saying? Knowledge is power. <laughs> and you, you can't build a society without knowledge. Everything starts with knowledge. So that's sort of been my basically business idea to sort of try to know as much as I can about all the moving parts in the, in the industry.
0: I understand that's very interesting very intriguing thank you for sharing that technology is very important like uh, we we need to to become much much wiser in how we use technology no doubt about that uh to to get us uh where we need to get like to be more efficient more productive do you see any other things that are important in this process are there any other things outside of technology that are vital for this to to aim, to concur, so we can get over this hump?
1: Yeah, of course, it's to figure out what our new day-to-day activities will be when all of this is automated. I think it's all about creative work and art.
0: Hmm. My my perspective on this, I think there are. Uh, there are three things two things more outside of technology that is vital of course uh, we cannot go back we just need to employ everything uh, but there are two other things that uh, I think play an important role here and uh, one it's people or you might call it culture culture yeah, I course. guess it's it's fundamental yeah uh, the culture in, the, in inside the industry of course uh, and the uh, this, uh, this is what I'm working with. This is uh, one of the objectives of the podcast, to, to inform people from, uh, from uh, different uh, experts, so they can, uh, can, can have a more educated understanding over the situation. And on another dimension, at least for now, are uh, enforcers, uh, authorities or standards i'm not a big fan of standards i'm i i do not say that just for the sake of saying it i uh, like standards are important because it's difficult to get to agree on things without them and it's difficult to progress what i'm not why what i don't like about standards and uh, something that is uh it's happening in other dimensions as well in our industry, is the closeness. Like it's so yeah. difficult, like everything is closed, nothing is shared. I don't know, I don't want to take on anybody right now. In an ideal world, maybe standards will be open, like Wikipedia. Why? Well, I don't know, maybe you need some resources for that, but maybe uh, we, we, we might find it. I don't know how we get there, but I, this is like an ideal uh, thought I of tried mine. one
1: thing there. I tried one thing there because like I made this presentation, this web presentation on ISO 19650 and of course, uh, standard Norway, which is like the organization that makes money on this being closed. um, They don't allow you to... It's so stupid. They don't allow you to make presentations of their content. So, so I wow. censored. I sort of put this transparency layer on top of my presentation, and I said, like, uh, censored uh, by standard Norway. We put information in a silo. So irony, irony and sarcasm is the tool as well, of course. Like but that is that is the tool for to speaking truth to power. It's like you use comedy to sort of make. Um, a point of how ridiculous that business model why aren't
0: standards open what
1: are you doing
0: yes uh, because there are money to be made there and there are lots of businesses built on top of that like that is uh, one of the reasons that is slowing up the the access to it of course there are the bigger companies have access to that but you don't you like you 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 cut every uh, opportunity for everybody who just wants to learn like for example me if I'm, I'm i'm just i have a job but i don't have that standard those standards at work right and i am interested to learn them it's so difficult like i won't pay like uh, hundreds of uh, pounds or uh, euros uh, for these standards like it's like uh, look uh, in it right like we can how it's possible that in it you find everything online like why why would not be possible here but this is another conversation i don't know uh, yeah. i i think uh, we need more talk about, about this we need to Definitely. find a better a better way for this but i don't know how do you fight with these behemoth companies because uh, and and you cannot just disband them because we need this right so you need in a way to develop some organic way of uh, of standards or i don't know how to put it i do i don't i'm not good at this but i just do i just know that th- just this just doesn't feel right this is my feeling like we have other areas, other industries where the things are open and you can tap into everything you want. So knowledge should be should be out there for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, may- maybe they need to switch uh, to to other kind of business models.
1: Yeah, of course, that's what it's all about. You, these other business models won't survive in this new climate. And exactly. Is, this is exactly back to what uh, like when I was talking about openness, like you have conservative and you have like liberal. And of course, like every hierarchy that creates value, it tends towards authoritarianism. So you, and this is true for like the political climate, the industrial climate. So you have to, you have to, to, to focus on regulating it. So it creates value. So like, for example, Harald Aya made like a, I made like these great eight episodes on on how we regulate capitalism way better than they do in the states. And 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 one of the ways we could improve that is to make like uh, standards and government finance Uh uh, thing. Yeah, but how you go
0: about? How do you go about that when you need because you need it globally? This needs to be global. Like in the world we work uh, we we live right now. And the, with the importance of IoT and the technology, we need to integrate this globally. We cannot just, yeah. this is a, a limited mindset to, to just yeah, think only only about where we live. Like, we, we have become a global industry. But enough with this rant. I don't, like I said, I think they have an important role. I don't, I think it can be, it, it can help. The industry and everything, everyone else around it, if uh, would have been much more accessible. This is uh, just my point. Uh, and um, where do I go, uh, want to get from here? So uh, they are important uh, from my point of view. What is your perspective?
1: Yeah, of course it has to be a global initiative, but it's, you have to start locally and grow globally.
0: Yeah, sure. No, but but I mean, like, if you find like-minded people like me, yeah. you and other people, John in US and uh, Ken in uh, United Kingdom and uh, Australia and India and everybody, and if, if you have a community, uh, like, I I see no problem. Jen. Okay, you can have it in your own language. That's no problem, you know. But the idea should apply for, for uh, like, the entire uh, planet can benefit uh, from it, should benefit from it. But uh, what do you, wh- what's your take about standards and what do you think about 19.650? Yeah, great
1: segue to 19.650. I think, of course, they are important to get like a unified way of collaborating. That's what they're, they're all about. So we don't speak like different languages and uh, do all of things differently. So it doesn't work together. So it's all about getting things to, <laughs> to collaboratively working together. So that is what ISO 19650 is um, is all about. In my view, there are a lot of opinions that says like, no, you can use ISO 19650 and still have all our old contracts. Sure, you can, but you won't get the fucking value
0: you want. Yeah, what's the point then? Why, why to use it? Just why to waste time to to learn? And uh, yeah, if you if you won't apply, exactly. Yeah. Uh, A small-minded mindset is just that, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and it's it's this opinion in the industry now that ISO nineteen six fifty is this complicated thing we have to do. And it isn't really this complicated. It's all about building or planning a good BIM execution plan and doing BIM according to that BIM execution plan. And making the BIM execution plan it's, it's not that difficult because it's, you do it in three stages. Uh, first, you have to uh, do assessment the need. You have to figure out what you want. You have an organization that has some goals, and you have a building that's a tool to reach those goals. So you have to have a requirement for that tool, that building. So it sort of uh, helps the organization reach that goal. So that is like the first step is make the right requirements, the information exchange requirements for the project, so they so they work in favor of the uh, the company that will use the building. And of course, you have the trouble with uh, different owner and operator, and uh, you don't know which company is going to operate in your building. And and that's a whole that is like uh, that's a big problem. <laughs> but you can you can still like um, make generally good information exchange requirements that make sure you get a building that that actually works in the operational phase. So first step is to sort of identify your information requirements. And then you put that out on tender and, uh, and you wait for the tender response. And, uh, and the tender response, uh, where the market um, responds to your tender, uh, you you respond by how do you structure your process, what people are you using, what kind of competence do you have, and what technology are you using. Process, technology, and people. We are people, we develop technology, and we're working together in the process. So that's what we do. So you answer with with those three parameters, and also your approach to solving the information uh, requirements and one thing that people aren't that aware of is that penn state university has developed 25 bim goals that you can implement and sort of answer those information requirements with those goals and they are also structured as process people and technology so it's all of that uh, fits together and and uh, one of the Maybe the contractor, the total contractor for the project uh, that also uh, uh, is uh, maybe will uh, do collaborative working with the client so that, uh, and he also has the engineers. Um, uh, So, so then you have like this approach to the project and what you do in the third phase, this is like the tender response, and then you make an appointment. And what you do—it's not called a contract anymore in ISO 19650. It's called an appointment. And what you do is, in that phase, is you quantify the information exchange requirements into task team information delivery plans. So you have these different working groups that has different responsibilities, and together the different task team information delivery plans becomes the project's master information delivery plans. And that are structured in like you have different, different decision points for the clients in this master information delivery plan. And then you can start doing VDC, and that's ISO 19650. Okay. So it's not like, so you, you figure out your requirements, you, you have someone have an approach to solving those requirements, and you make a master information delivery plan according to that. And then you do BIM by doing these VDC principles virtual design infrastructure, that's ISO 19650?
0: Okay, but how is the asset manager or asset owner starting using 19650? Or uh, it is used today as it's supposed to be, like let's take Norway because we we live and work here. Uh, Do you feel like uh, most of the asset owners or asset managers are aware about this? Are they willing to do something? They, they willing to adopt it and start, start implementing it? No, <laughs> or maybe oh. a little bit, <laughs> so, so easy.
1: <laughs> so, so that is like the, the competence on the client side. That is like the, you have to have in Norway, we call it bestiller kompetanse. You have like a better English word for that.
0: Uh, order uh, or uh, procurement. Procurement, uh, procurement
1: competence. competence, yeah, and that's not—it's not on a high level for uh, for in the different uh, companies. So what I'm trying to do, uh, trying to do some like presentations for companies on how to do this. Uh, in our company, we're using um, uh, Tom Gilb's uh, knowledge. He's like this systems engineer guy. He's 80 now. Um, I'm working with his son uh, Kai. That's sort of like you, you. You start the you start the um, information requirements phase. Like uh, what? Wh- why do you do what you do? And uh, what do you do? And how how well do you do that? And how good how well do you wish to do that? And within what time frame? And, and then you have like uh, a, a good framework, and then you can sort of strategize, like uh, what different strategies can we use to achieve these goals? And then you can um, score these different strategies based on evidence. And then you have like this good model. And it's, it's all about removing the potential of miscommunication uh, in the project. So you can interpret uh, a requirement one way, and you can interpret the requirement uh, another way so we have this language this planning language uh, we use to sort of define all concepts and, and actually Tom Gilb's knowledge here has been uh, like uh, Fred's AI has really been inspired by his way of thinking actually so uh, so Tom Gilb and Kai Gilbis uh, like Kai Gilbis now he started 10x construction with me and then he sold his house and bought himself in to a founding partner position in Graph Matrix, so um, so he's over there now. So, um, yeah.
0: I I hope I won't need to uh, buy a tilt uh, yeah. and rent it to you soon when uh, when you go.
1: But basically, what I'm trying to say is that we, we have a product for that that problem. We have <laughs> like a really good like this uh, this sort of knowledge has been used a lot in the IT sector. Like Tom and Kai Guild, they've helped uh, Intel, they've helped Bosch, they've helped uh, the state of India, state of uh, uh, America. I understand. Dave, if you go to guild.com, you have like um, a limited <laughs> amount of really known customers that they've been using. And my idea has sort of been to implement this thinking into construction projects. And we have this. Uh, we had this really... A um, uh, really good workshop uh, in this organization called the Center for Real Estate uh, Disciplinaries, uh, and it worked really well. So I think this way of uh, thinking is um, is really good for a construction project. Just like uh, make good requirements for the project instead of try to detail manage everything to the project.
0: Now, if we uh... If we go a little bit like uh, to to uh, uh, combine uh, what we talked about, uh, are there any tools that can help with uh, ISO 650 Because sometimes uh, some tools might help, right? Because uh, I don't know, there might be people that uh, don't like to read uh, uh, like a, a book with only only text, no, just. Uh, Pure text and only text, a lot of text there, and uh, technical as well. Are there more interactive ways that we can mitigate this and make it more uh, easily and digestible to learn?
1: As a matter of fact, it is. So, um, so you have a lot of BIM tools uh, today. You have a lot of BIM authoring tools. You have BIM ana- analysis tools. You have uh, operation tools for BIM. But you don't have a lot of tools of management and um, ISO 900650 is an information management process. Um, so what we use for management today is we use our phones, emails, we use maybe SharePoint and, uh, and stuff like that for managing the process. But um, information gets lost and uh, responsibilities are unclear and maybe you have this 100-page BIM execution plan that everyone needs to read and maybe it's just like a little part of it that's relevant for that part of the supply chain, for example. So uh, if you plan all of these things early, uh, you get this platform called Plannerly. Um, That is a platform. uh, uh, It's uh, it's the old LOD planner, if people know about that. So Plannerly has made this great coordination platform that sort of highlights all of the responsibilities you do. It has templates for all the different standards and classification systems. It has cards for all different BIM objects you use in the planning phase. Uh, You have like this very intuitive way of making the test team information delivery plan and the master information delivery plan and sort of. Communicate the responsibilities you're supposed to have in the detailed responsibility matrix into the platform. So, like, if you have like a construction project and you have like requirements for that construction project, and you would like to quality assure that those requirements get communicated correctly, then you use Planoly because that is like the state of the art for that. It's not like advanced technology; it's just like really user-focused, really intuitive. So yeah, that is, uh, that is the project, uh, uh, the, the product I would uh, recommend, just to say it like that. And of course, I'm, um, I'm uh, also a distributor for Plannerly in Norway. Maybe you will like to help.
0: Yes, as a matter of fact, yes, uh, this is a disclaimer I, ne- I must put here. Uh, that uh, I I agree to become a partner for them as well last week uh, so uh, maybe I'll put this at the start of the question so nobody feels that this was a trap <laughs> to What's be to, to be honest <laughs> but uh, but I will say uh, this I'm a big proponent of uh, open beam and everything that can help uh, with beam adoption and because I see myself this as the biggest problem in adoption of BIM and adoption of uh, and use of uh, 90, uh, ISO 650. I really believe this is a, a valuable tool and this is the reason why I endorse it and I will use it and I will uh, recommend it to other people. I don't do that with everything. I have uh, uh two softwares i do that with and one is bim collab which is also an open bim platform for for uh, uh, for uh, issue management and uh, plannerly is another one and i'm really glad uh, they uh, they accepted me uh, to become a partner uh, and um, yeah i don't know ambassador for the software because i think it's it's vital me myself I'll be honest about this. I hate reading standards. I don't like it. I hate it. I need to break it down. I I need I need to break it down to to more digestible ways. Uh, either through presentations or watching a view is much more enjoyable for me. And this is exactly what is doing here. So yeah, that's.
1: I feel I feel exactly the same way when I started with ISO 19650. I was like, oh, this is so boring. But I know that. it 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 will be like uh, um like really good for uh, a framework for implementing technology so i sort of tortured myself by trying to understand this standard from all different perspectives and sort of uh, what i tried to do is to make like simplified presentations to make sure that people understand that this isn't that complicated you don't have to take this one step at a time that certain people in our industry would like us to know <laughs> would like us to think uh, so what I try to do is just sort of this is a great enabler for technology it's a great enabler for you as the client to make sure that your requirements are uphold and um, and yeah so that's sort of been my it's like uh, it it wasn't fun to learn that standard it was just like it it had to be done and sort of like what i tried to do is to make that more digestible for people in the construction industry and what i hate then is like by doing that i risk being sued by a standard norway that's the environment we're
0: in that that's that's uh, that's crazy like i don't know like uh, if we uh, if we go back to the rent like it would be amazing if we, uh, we could have on YouTube, for example, videos about this standard, it's going to be, it, it could help, it could have a huge impact on the entire industry. Because yeah. anybody could be uh, learned without any restrictions, right? But when you need to pay five, 500 pounds to, for, a, for a few hours, two hours or something or of a session, a session or a webinar or something. I don't know, man. Uh, I I I had guests doing this and uh, being uh, consul- ISO uh, standards consultants, and we need them as well because there are uh, uh, companies that don't have time to do that. This is why I don't see why why the small uh, uh, men here or uh, women in uh, like me or someone else, a student. That it's interesting. I don't know. Maybe students have uh, have uh, free access. I don't have yeah, any idea. Usually, usually they do. But uh, after that, after that, let's say uh, after you you started uh, studying and you work, but you don't have it at work, and you are interested. Maybe you work with something else, right? And your company doesn't have it, or uh, you yeah. I don't know. If if you are a uh, freelancer or something, and you want to learn, it is difficult. Like it should be like. The, the, comp- the big companies paying the big money they will keep paying it because they need help with that they won't uh, waste their time doing that that's the thing that, that that's the the uh, uh, irony here right yep. and the, the small people a uh, small guy and gal will go just go and watch YouTube and learn from there so this this is something very important for me this is another mission of myself this is another thing I want to achieve here I want to to, to make information more accessible the, the, this is another uh, one of other the re- reason I started the podcast because I feel like we we, we are way too closed and we need to do something about that
1: exactly so it's, it's 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 a it's a problem but it's all about these special interests that sort of like in capitalism you have like uh, c- capitalism that creates value for uh, for, for people, and you have, like, capitalism that sort of just drags value out. And uh, in this new climate, you should definitely have a value-contributing type of capitalistic business model approach. There is nothing wrong with capitalism, just to make sure that that is understood. You should just regulate it better.
0: Yeah. Well, Hokon, how can somebody contact you? if we assume that you are going to have time to answer. Of
1: course, they can just reach me on my, uh, on my phone or uh, I, I have my phone number and my, um, and my email uh, on my uh, website, i uh, 4 ifrtechnology.io. Yes. Uh, of course, they can also reach me at uh, nordicbuildingroom.com. That's where I have my podcast, where, Hopefully soon we will uh, have an episode with uh, Petru
0: <laughs> with you <laughs> you you must put some subtitles there for the podcast, otherwise, it's going to be uh, difficult for someone to understand because it's in Norwegian.
1: so, you speak great Norwegian.
0: no, no, not me, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm I mean like if somebody would like to listen to your podcast,
1: yeah, of of course, yes, because it's uh, English now. so. Uh... So uh, that, is, um, that is a problem for the English-speaking uh, uh, listeners that I do my podcast in Norwegian. Uh, so um,
0: But that's what I'm saying. Like add some subtitles, like uh, uh, very basic subtitles. Would English-speaking
1: people ha- <laughs> watch a Norwegian podcast with subtitles? You think so?
0: I, I've seen many people asking for a subtitle uh even for english because not many people understand fluently just listening english yeah. so so uh it, it it's like do you watch movies with subtitles you you should definitely manage to watch a video as is the same and uh like from i my don't point watch of with
1: view... subtitles though <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah I, I understand completely what you're saying is that uh, of course when you speak in english it's it's really good to have uh, subtitles because uh, sometimes you speak too quickly, something uh, I do a lot. (laughs) So, uh, But uh, I'm just a little bit unsure of how many international people will watch a Norwegian podcast with English subtitles. But maybe. I know that you can make uh, English subtitles pretty easily these days, so if you can teach me to do that quickly, we can maybe get some subtitles in it.
0: It's easy. And uh, don't underestimate the power of uh, uh, YouTube or uh, Google search. You have no idea. Uh, I know uh, your target audience is uh, Norwegian, uh, but you have no idea how many other people might find that interesting. And uh, you have no idea how you might help somebody and how you might be helped in a way or another. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah of course it's um it's a good idea but one of the things is that I I get emails from uh, from people abroad as well but um I don't really have the capacity to sort of help many international companies now I'm sort of involved in so much that it to market that way is not um but yeah. of course of course the information would be valuable So um, I've I've definitely considered it a lot of making an English podcast, but, um, but yeah, right now I'm like focused on the Norwegian part. And I think that a lot of people in the Norwegian construction industry prefer Norwegian. Yes. Like a, a lot of Norwegians prefer English, but in the construction industry, I'm not so sure.
0: Yes. You might be right about that. Is there anything else you would like to, uh, to say? that uh, I might miss to ask it about? No, I think we
1: covered a lot. We covered the on-site viewer, our photorealistic augmented reality option. Uh, we covered the Nordic building room, will, which will be this virtual design and construction big room, but not just like put the uh, technology in there, optimize it in every possible way so it gets like an awesome experience for the user. And then you can use Plannerly between the VDC meetings. Of course, that is like my strategy to sort of make it like Connect. a total process. Yeah. Um, so that is like the ARVR part of it, and I have my communication uh, with i4 Technology with the podcast and my presentation. So we covered that. And of course, the automation and insight part of it, which is the 10x construction, graph matrix, uh, Trinity part of it. And that is like the the real gold.
0: Uh, did you mention, uh, like, I don't know if you mentioned LinkedIn. It's fine if somebody is, uh contacting yeah. you through LinkedIn. Of course,
1: of course, of course. Yes. you find me? Do you make like a description down below? Is that the... Uh... Way to do it on YouTube, so you can just uh, link from my homepage and i4 Technology and yes. Nordic Building Room and uh, LinkedIn Everything. profile. Sure. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much for uh, coming along.
1: Great to be here.